As the second largest province in Indonesia, both in terms of population and economic size, East Java is crucially important to many of us. Its importance is enhanced by its key strategic role as both a major access gateway between Indonesia and the rest of the world, as well as a clear leadership gateway to the east of Indonesia. East Java, particularly Surabaya, have also been earmarked marked as key supply base, supply chain base for the development of the new capital. The UK considers East Java as a key strategic partner for the development of business, cultural and education relationships. In recent years, Surabaya and Liverpool formalised a Twin Cities Agreement and as a clear statement of intent to further enhance the UK's commitment to East Java, a couple of years ago, the UK government appointed its first honorary consul, Ivy Kamajaya, to East Java and Surabaya. In recent times, Ivy, who is also the deputy CEO of Kamajaya Logistics, has become a familiar participant on Richam webinars and provided excellent support to our membership as they seek to open doors in East Java. It therefore gives me great pleasure to invite Ivy to introduce our distinguished panelists for today's session. Ivy, over to you. Thank you, Ainsley, for your kind introductions. So welcome by Emil, Natalie, and Pat Diffie on this uh, Bridgham special webinar. I'm very delighted today to introduce our stellar panelists. So I'll begin to introduce our first uh, panel. First, we have uh, Emil Elisianto Dardak, the Vice Governor of uh, East Java Province. Emil Dardak became the Vice Governor of East Java since February 2019. He officially served as a Vice Governor with the Kofifa Hinda Parawansa as the Governor of East Java after winning election by attaining 53% of the total voters. Prior to that, he was the Regent of Trengalek for three years, since 2016 to 2019, with the numerous achievements under his uh, leadership. Um, Emil studied at the Singapore Applied uh, Institutions and later for his undergraduate degree at the University of Wales, UK. And he eventually completed his formal education at the University of Oxford after graduating with a doctorate program uh, from Ritsumiken Asia Pacific University when he was only 22 years old. Emil also participated in 2018 class of the Bloomberg Hapa City Leadership Institute, being the only Indonesian between the 40 mayors involved. So his insight is very valued. So we are very lucky to have uh, Pa Emil here today. So thank you for joining us uh, today, Pa Emil. And next we have um, Natalie Black. Natalie is Her Majesty Trade Commissioner for Asia Pacific at the Department for International Trade, covering Northeast Asia, Southeast Asia, and Austral Asia. Previously, Natalie was the Deputy Head of Number 10 Policy Unit, where she championed the UK's tax sector and developed the new modern industrial strategy. In addition to this role, she held the post of Director of the Internet Hans Unit was the coordinated effort to tackle the challenges of the internet, including terrorist use and online safety. Her first role in the civil service was deputy director and then director of the office of the cybersecurity in the cabinet office, where she oversaw the national cybersecurity program. So really good to have you with us here, Natalie. And of course, um, we have uh, Pa Divi Ahmad Johansha, known as uh, Chief Divi. 
is the head of Bank Indonesia Ijapa representative office since 2017. On his academic background, in addition to carrying out his study at ITB Industrial Engineering, he continued with his graduate studies and received an MBA at the University of Pennsylvania. He dedicated his career in the central bank for almost 30 years with various sectors areas, including monetary sector, banking supervisions, currency circulation, and the central bank applications. The path began when he was assigned as a credit analyst and then followed by his appointment as a staff of Bank Indonesia Governor by Sudrajat Jiwandono. And one of his profound achievements is the awareness of building of the Indonesia public at large on how to recognize the authenticity of rupiah, widely known as 3D, dilihat, diraba, ditrawan. So we have an excellent speakers today around the table, the table and we got all of you are participants and we would like to, you all to participate. To begin, if I can hand over to our Deputy Governor Emil Dardak, who is going to open the sessions and give us an update on the East Java latest development for us this evening. So over to you, Pa Emil. Thank you, Ibu Ivy. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. A very good afternoon to all the distinguished uh, panelists, uh, to Natalie Black, Her Majesty's Trade Commissioner for Asia Pacific at the Department of International Trade, Padifi uh, Ahmad Johansyah, Head of Bank Indonesia for Jawa Timur, East Java, Ibu Ivy Kamajaya, British Prosperity Honorary Council for Surabaya East Java, and of course, to the host, uh, the chairman of Britcham Indonesia, uh, Mr. Ainsley Mann, and all the participants of today's webinar. Uh, indeed, I would like to thank uh, Britcham for the opportunity to uh, be able to share what East Java is currently doing. I think despite the current pandemic, we all believe that life has to continue and we can't wait until then to decide what we are going to do. This is a time to, to, for all of us to still uh, be in touch, uh, form synergy and start doing things that we can do today without waiting for tomorrow. Because at the end of the day, uh, if everybody is bearish about the future, then it will be a collective uh, downturn for everyone. So uh, we all want to move in the assumption that situations will be better. Uh, of course, doing so with the best level of risk management possible. Now, uh, with it, uh, allow me to share a bit of uh, information that has been prepared by my team. So, um, but I'm, I'll try to make it quick. Uh, there's a lot of slides that may have been distributed. Um, let me, I think it's okay to go from the first slide. I'll try to make it quick. Balik ke slide awal aja. Okay, I hope everybody can see. Okay, next. Next. So again, I would like to reiterate the fact that we have nearly 40 million people. So this is a lot of population and our size at 48,000 square kilometer is larger than some countries in Europe. So it's a vast province uh, in terms of area as well as population. But next, I think we also uh, are proud and happy to know that in East Java is the second largest economy in Indonesia. Uh, as you know, in terms of population, 
actually uh, West Java has more than us. We have 40 and West Java has about 50. Uh, but uh, we actually contribute uh, as the second largest economy. So this shows the vibrancy of our economic sectors in East Java. And we are glad to uh, let you know that in the first quarter of 2020, uh, when the global economy slowed down because of the early onset of the pandemic, we still recorded a 3.04% growth, uh, uh, contributing to the shared GDP of 14.49% in the first quarter of 2020. Of course, the outlook isn't as good as it was for quarter two, but uh, of course, this is a number that shows uh, we are still uh, uh, maintaining the, as much as possible the level of economic uh, activities in, in our region. Next. So we are an economy that is predominantly manufacturing. Uh, about 30% of, of our economy comes from manufacturing. Uh, the next is trade at 18.31%, uh, no, not next slide, okay. And then farming at 10.65%. And we remain uh, as a growth driver, uh, contributing, uh, you know, uh, having a growth that is higher than the inflation. Uh, next. Okay, now the, the issue is we have a decrease in fiscal capacity. So uh, this is experienced by any local government, even Jakarta has a massive decline in the uh, uh, in the local revenues uh, because of the, uh, especially in urban areas, the source of local revenues come from economic activities such as patronage to restaurants and entertainment places. Uh, we derive our revenue from sales of automotive products, which actually uh, decline, de decrease significantly. So there is a, 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 a massively reduced power of local governments to be doing their fiscal uh, contribution in terms of driving the economy. Next. Next. Now, uh, we are uh, glad to be home to one of the busiest port in Indonesia, which is uh, in Tanjung Perak, uh, an international port with 35 million TUs of volume. Uh, we have 10 domestic ports, which are also as busy. Uh, not similarly busy with Tanjung Perak, but they are busy to their respective uh, capacity. Airport, we have one major international port, Juanda, with 152 million passengers. Uh, and also, uh, there are five domestic airports. And we have also uh, train stations, as well as 6,200 hectares of industrial estates spread over 10 areas. Next. Now, uh, that altogether contributes to us being placed as the highest uh, in terms of ease of doing business in 2018 by the Asia Competitiveness Institute. Next. And also we are placed second in terms of, uh, by the same institute, in terms of competitiveness, uh, macroeconomic stability, governance, financial conditions, as well as quality of life. Next. So uh, this is our ICOR, which uh, shows that how much uh, return do we generate uh, from any dollar of capital that is uh, injected to the economy. Uh, next. So uh, this is the investment realization. We are happy that in the first quarter of 2020, uh, there is an increase, uh, a lot, much larger than that of the national uh, investment, national figure. We increased significantly in the first quarter of 2020, both in terms of foreign direct investment as well as in uh, domestic investments. Next. Now, in terms of sectors, uh, 
we are seeing a growth in chemical and pharmaceuticals, which we believe is the future of industries in East Java. We, 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 we believe that uh, the abundant infrastructure, the uh, complementary economic sectors uh, that are present in, in East Java, the urban settlements and advancements and uh, the human capital all together contribute to developing chemical and pharmaceutical industry in East Java. Uh, and and this, is, this is something that is at the heart of our uh, next in, uh, industrial plan. Because as of now, our manufacturing is predominated by, predominantly ma uh, food and beverage, contributing one third of our manufacturing output. And uh, the next is tobacco. So we want to diversify into this, and uh, the place that is most suitable for this is in the northern uh, coast uh, from Surabaya going westward towards the border between our province and central Java. Okay, in terms of domestic investments, transportation remains a, a focus followed by food industries because again, logistics and telecommunication is the backbone also for, for driving the industry. Next. So this is our investment realization in terms of source of country. Uh, we have UK there. Uh, we do hope to see more of that uh, in the future. Uh, right now, a lot of investment originates uh, from Japan, from South Korea, uh, on par with China. And, uh, uh, but the China is Hong Kong, actually. But from mainland China is actually very small, I mean, uh, on, compared to the size of the economy itself. Um, and uh, so this, this gives an idea of the investment source going into uh, East Java. Next. So what we want to do uh, is the good news today is that the president last year declared uh, the presidential decree number 80, 2019, uh, which uh, basically adopts a regional approach in accelerating the development of East Java. He is concerned that as the second largest economy and the driver of Indonesia's manufacturing, East Java cannot stall. It has to continually increase its competitiveness. So three focus area. The first is the Gerbang Kertasusila, which is the greater Surabaya metropolitan area. And this is basically focusing on improving the infrastructure availability, uh, mitigating uh, disasters such as flood, ensuring complementary infrastructure uh, to, in order to ensure that we have a very competitive and productive urban uh, metropolis, which is, uh, becomes a driver, of course, for the uh, East Java's competitiveness. The next is Bromo Tengger Semeru, which is the majestic Bromo Mountain at the heart of East Java province, uh, is one of the 10 new Bali. And we believe that uh, we want to shift the approach from uh, visiting the, the peak of Bromo Mountain into visiting the, uh, basically the area surrounding the Bromo Mountain, because that's where we have Malang, which is the second largest uh, settlements in, in East Java in terms of vibrancy, economy, is, a, is one of the education hub in Indonesia. So we believe that uh, leveraging tourism potential is going to be in line with developing uh, the economy in this area. And the third uh, is a very uh, emerging region called Selinkar Willis in the southwest of uh, East Java, a place where I was a mayor before. Uh, uh, a much improved access through toll road has allowed Surabaya and Solo to be connected very seamlessly right now. If in the past it's going to take seven hours or more, now people can drive for 
three hours uh, using the toll road or even less to reach Solo from Surabaya. Now, uh, the place alongside the, the toll road is uh, a highly potential place for developing labor-intensive industries because of the competitive wage as well as the vast availability of land and the much improved access because of the toll road. So this is one of the highlights. It will be supported by an airport that developed by the Gudangarang Group right now, which is going to be interconnected with toll road as well, connecting the south area. Altogether, this area in the southwest has nearly 10 million people. So it's a very big region as well, population-wise, and uh, is really uh, aiming at improving the industry. Next. Okay, uh, so this is a, a total of 294 trillion value of projects, over 218 projects. A lot of room for PPP through KPBU, Public-Private Partnership, or Kerjasama Pemerintah dan Badan Usaha. The APBN investment is designed is the, uh, to actually cover areas that are not financially viable at all, and also for uh, catalyzing investments coming into, like mitigating flood and doing some very basic national public road connections. Uh, the PPP will enter into areas where infrastructure can be structured in a way that it can provide uh, viable returns. State-owned enterprise is a big player. We have the Belindo, we have Pertamina, we have uh, a lot of a lot of state-owned enterprise uh, in in East Java, and we want them to also expand their operation, uh, the Kereta Api Indonesia or railway. Private sector, pure, they can come into industrial estates and so on. Next, so uh, we we have issued a. Uh, local regulation number two, 2019, to accelerate the investments. Uh, I can uh, talk more about this if there's question. Next. Okay. And of, uh, we're trying to ensure that licenses can be issued very quickly. Uh, we also have unit uh, reaction cepat or rapid reaction unit to assist major investments that uh, encounter difficulties uh, in the implementation. Okay. Uh, next. Let's skip this one. Okay, next. Now let's look a bit at some of the projects that are being uh, developed right now. Um, in the south, this is the south of uh, East Java. We have the Kapanjan Southern Causeway, uh, we, a, a crossroad, which is basically uh, a, a one of a transportation project. I will not go deep into each one of them. If there's certain question you can ask in this forum or we can discuss at another opportunity. Next. Okay, this is a port that is basically owned by the provincial government, very strategically located uh, to the east of Surabaya, currently interconnected with toll road from Surabaya to Probolinggo. And it's an area that uh, is near Pasuruan, which is one of the most industrialized uh, area in, in East Java. So uh, this is very, uh, it has a large potential and we do hope to see how we can further develop this port opportunity in Probolinggo. I'd like to highlight this one in particular. Next, the Islamic Science Park. Now, uh, it, the distance from Surabaya to Madura it's just separated by five kilometers uh, roughly of uh, Suramadu Bridge. So it's very easy to go to uh, Madura, very easy to go there. And there is a land on the southern coast of Madura facing Surabaya, which we intend to develop as a Islamic science park, focusing on mice, focusing on education, Islamic finance. And this is where we, we want to develop. Uh, and the land is already prepared by the government. So no land acquisition issue, highly, uh, very prox uh, proximate to Surabaya. 
and, and, and that's one of the selling value. And we believe that this will be a catalyst for further development in the Madura Island. Next. Singosari Special Economic Zone. This is uh, the uh, only special economic zone in East Java designated by the president to develop digital economic uh, incubators. Uh, so uh, basically this is uh, more than 120 hectares of land uh, located very near to the Malang area, to the toll road connecting Surabaya and Malang, which altogether Surabaya and Malang, if we add it up, will have roughly five, uh, maybe even seven million altogether throughout the corridor. If, if we add up all the population surrounding corridors and it's a very highly affluent area and we believe that this uh, special economic zone will serve as a catalyst for uh, digitizing the economy of East Java. Next. So this is the corridor I was talking to you about, Surabaya to Malang. So um, we develop clusters uh, in the exit, the tall exits uh, from Surabaya to Malang. We have Puspa Agro, which is a uh, 50 hectares uh, area uh, that is owned by the provincial government to serve as an agro hub. We have one private sector owned Sun City Business Park equally as large as Puspagro that can serve as a hub for trade and services in this area. And then we have the Chandrawilwatika, which is the largest cultural park in, in East Java, uh, located at the, uh, uh, near the Mount of Arjuna. And then Tamandayu, which is a major property development by the famous Chiputra group. And then there is the safari park, one of the largest safari park, which is a tourism have, uh, attraction. We have the uh, bio arboretum uh, park of the National Science Institute. And then we have the Singosari Special Economic Zone and one of the most vibrant tourism city called Kota Wisata Batu. Next. Jipe, I think everybody knows about Jipe, uh, is I think the largest uh, investment uh, in uh, industrial park that is uh, currently supported by improvement in, in toll road access and uh, I think it's a lot of major state-owned investments is happening there including the smelter from Freeport that is being developed right now. Next. There's also the another industrial estates like Tuban which is owned by PT Kawasan Industri Gresik, uh, a group of the state-owned enterprise and Tuban will also benefit from the massive petrochemical project that is being prepared because there is a massive uh, government-driven petrochemical project which is part of a national strategic project. Next. Next. And then the Siduarjo uh, Industrial Estate. Uh, this is private sector. Next. Uh, this is the Bar uh, Banyuwangi Tourism. I think I'll, I'll just uh, skip some of it. Next. Okay, next. Next. Yeah, this is the Bromo Vulcania theme park, uh, which was actually uh, the idea came from ILO as, as a way to uh, uh, we, we look at what's what's in France. There is also a volcanic uh, theme park. And this is what we want to do as part of promoting tourism in the Bromo area. Next. OK, this is, uh, next. Let's see if this there's a lot of uh, potential agro uh, downstream industries as well in East Java. Next. Next. Okay, I think that's just a quick snapshot. Of course, uh, the time is not enough to go through all the plans, but uh, on a separate uh, occasion, I think our investment office will be more than happy to talk to each of the Britcham members who have a specific interest, uh, already uh, uh, have specific interests in line with their areas of competence as well. With that, I conclude my initial presentation. Thank you.
Thank you very much, Pat Emil. When, when I saw your presentation, I wasn't expecting you to be able to get through it in an hour. You've done remarkably well, very comprehensive. Quite a few things caught my eye, the science part, the farmer sector, the potential for smart cities, the port. And as someone who's, um, who works for a company, there's an international air, airline flying into Surabaya. It's good to see there's, there's going to be a focus on tourism as well. But uh, what I'd like to do now is hand over to Natalie Black to give her, her views um, and suggestions as to how we as a UK business community can maybe take advantage of some of these uh, opportunities. Thank you very much and hello everyone. Um, firstly, can I start by congratulating BritCham for such a fantastic event and a big thank you particularly to you Ainsley and Chris and colleagues uh, for putting this all together. And of course, a really big thank you to Pac Emil for giving us this time today and for providing such a comprehensive briefing. Um, given, so, given how much else is going on in the world, uh, we really appreciate the priority that you've given to this. And as well to Chief Diffie for showing us so much time and collaboration. Thank you. Uh, but I would be amiss if I didn't say an extra special thank you to Ivy for everything that she does um, for the UK in East Java. Um, I've experienced her hospitality firsthand and I can absolutely vouch for it. Uh, and I was uh, reflecting on uh, my visit to East Java uh, last October, I think Pac Emil, that was the, the last time that we met. Um, a lot of things have changed, uh, of course that is true, um, but I think uh, some of the fundamentals um, that we discussed then are absolutely uh, true now and I wanted to reflect on those um, a little if I may. Um, I absolutely agree with Pac Emil that we need to be bearish about the future. There are of course challenges ahead but it's that foresight and that planning that will get us through that. Um, the, amazing work in East Java around the ease of doing business and the competitiveness agenda really sets the bar very high, not just for Indonesia, but I think for the rest of Southeast Asia and, and shows what is possible. Um, and that's one of the many reasons that British companies are so keen to look beyond Jakarta, look to East Java and really start to build those relationships. Um, I, I saw the slide which had us, uh, us being the UK as in the top 10 investors, but you, you were very polite and very nice, Pac Emil, to point out that we uh, were number 10 of 10. So we, we just got in there. Of course, uh, the ambition of myself, um, of our ambassador, Owen Jenkins, and of course, of Britcham is to uh, raise ourselves up the rankings there. Uh, I want to see the UK as an even bigger investor in East Java. And so the work that we're all doing together now uh, really needs to focus on the practical, focus on the practical steps uh, to make that happen. Um, I think there are three areas um, that uh, we've made good progress on, but I, I would like to see even more. Um, firstly, by expanding our team outside of Jakarta to having a presence in Surabaya. I've mentioned the excellent work that Ivy've done, but we, we also have a, a member of the team in Surabaya, which, as we all know, the people-to-people -people connections are so important, and, and that's what stimulates uh, business. Um, we are also um, underway with our joint trade review between Indonesia and the UK. Uh, and in fact, um, I had a meeting earlier today 
with a team in London to discuss um, preparations uh, for a meeting that we will be having with colleagues in Indonesia virtually uh, next week. Um, so I think that shows um, how we've managed to maintain momentum, even though there are a lot of things changing in the world. And that at the very top of our government, there is absolute appetite uh, to progress our relationships. And I think through the joint trade review, we can get into real practicalities of understanding those issues that sometimes can be a barrier to trade and a barrier to business. Um, but if I uh, may, I think the, the third area that I'm most excited about, and, and it's something that Pak Emil and I have discussed extensively, is the work that we can do on digital and innovation together. Um, and I know the digital park is very ambitious and the special economic zone will provide significant opportunities. And uh, earlier this year, as part of London Tech Week, our prime minister announced a new digital trade network. And I am incredibly pleased that that will include a member of the team being based in Indonesia. And their job will be to work with the SME communities, uh, to work with the big tech um, companies that want to have a presence in Indonesia, but equally Indonesian companies that want to have a presence in the UK. So I think really focusing on digital and what we can do together there will provide immense opportunities uh, for all generations. Um, so we are very, very excited about that. I think I will just end by saying uh, that we can always do more. And the value of sessions like this is hearing what else uh, we should be doing at this stage and how we do it hand in hand uh, with business. We are absolutely reliant on those partnerships to take us from um, the number 10 investor to slightly higher up that list. I'm not going to set myself a target because I don't want to get in trouble, but that's where our ambition uh, should be. And so I very much um, value the friendship and partnership that we have um, in East Java facilitated by the Britcham. And I'd just like to thank Ainsley, you again personally for everything that you've done to make that happen. Thank you. For resources into Indonesia, and. I realise it can be easy to persuade the government to allocate more resources, but I think it's fantastic that uh, you're putting someone in to focus on the digital sector. Great. Uh, Pat Diffie, I would like to invite you to make a few comments. It's, I think it's always good at this time for uh, Bank Indonesia just to give an update on, on some of the measures that the government and Bank Indonesia are taking to stabilise the economy. Um, perhaps you could make reference to uh, Pat Emil's comment about the reduced fiscal power of local governments and, and what you might be doing to, to assist there. And also, I think um, quite a lot of businesses don't necessarily understand the role that Bank Indonesia plays in trying to support business development. Um, we obviously have a good working relationship with you, you and your team across the country, but not everyone's familiar with that role. So I'd like to ask you to, to make a few comments. Thank you. Thank you, Ainsley. Uh, His Excellency Pak Emil, uh, Her Excellency Natalia Black, uh, Pak Ainsley, Pak Chris Ren, Mbak Ify, uh, and all of the participants here. Uh, thank you very much for allowing me to be here. Uh, I would like to uh, focus on the first one, uh, how uh, we respond to the current turbulence. Uh, let me uh, tell you that uh, we, I'm representing the central bank, uh, central bank in Indonesia, 
and we are the lender of last resort, as you know, the, fun the basic function of a uh, central bank. And uh, I have been in the, as a central banker for more than 30 years. So I have uh, witnessed all the crisis in financial crisis 98, 2005, 2008, and lately uh, this uh, turbulence. And uh, I could uh, say that we have learned a lot from the past. So uh, our approach uh, of this uh, slowdown, major contraction in the economy is uh, maybe uh, totally different from what we have taken in the past. Uh, so uh, like for uh, have, uh, right now, our uh, focus is first in, in the financial sector, we try to uh, provide liquidity support to all the banks, all the business sectors, all the publics. Because we believe that liquidity is very important for us to, uh, to make uh, our consumption still, uh, still uh, works today. And we, we, do, we are doing that by lowering the interest rate, relaxation of the, what we call it, the, some banking regulations. Practically, we just uh, want uh, that liquidity is there in the, in the, in the economy. And the second thing is that uh, we work closely with the government now. As you know that we have, uh, we know that we have to uh, work together with the, with the government that has a constraint in terms of fiscal capacity. And uh, because at this point, we believe that uh, the only uh, major source of growth come from government and also come from the consumption side. So at this point, we try, we are doing to maintain that the government and the consumption still have the capacity to uh, sustain the, the economy. And uh, this is, uh, and we are doing that by uh, issuing so many regulations, also the, some bonds, and uh, actually to manage this. Why we are doing that? Because uh, at the early of this year, in terms of East Java, we were very optimistic. We, uh, we predicted that the East Java could grow uh, in the range between 5.8 to 6% for this year. It is at the early of January. But uh, yeah, we all know that because there is the, the COVID-19, so uh, now the, the economy is uh, contracting uh, so much. And uh, now we predicted that maybe East Java will be around uh, one to 2% uh, growth, hopefully still positive uh, this year. But we still believe uh, for East Java, we will uh, have uh, like a V-shaped recovery for East Java. Why? because we believe that for the, the fundamentals of East Java is still intact. First, the corporate, our corporate sector is still uh, stable. Also, the consumption is still uh, stable. Uh, 
we, I, I mentioned about the consumption that we work together uh, with the government that uh, we do the uh, through the payment system, non-cash mechanism, we try to provide support for the allocation of the uh, of the we call it the bantuan non-tunai. So uh, the, there is still a uh, cons uh, consumption going on in the uh, in the in the public. So uh, in terms of uh, recovery, we still believe that uh, corporate sector in is therefore is still stable, and also the consumption and also uh, some, uh, we call it the initiative from the public. And I would like to mention that Java is, has a very important role in Eastern uh, of Java. We are the hub of Eastern Java. So uh, in the future, actually, uh, we are trying to move uh, East Java to more provide added value products to other uh, provinces. Not only uh, provinces, maybe also in the in the region of Southeast Asia. And I would like to also uh, that uh, besides the Britain, we are also uh, now uh, arranging the close uh, relationship with uh, discussion to maximize the opportunity to have uh, business uh, business uh, opportunities with Australia because we have the new scheme with uh, Australia. So uh, there are a lot of things. And uh, Pak Emil mentioned about Java. East Java is the second uh, largest uh, uh, economy uh, of Indonesia compared to DKI Jakarta. And why? Because DKI Jakarta is the capital. And I would like to say that uh, in terms of uh, regional GDP, Java, uh, Jakarta recorded more because many headquarters are in Jakarta especially for the services. So uh, Jakarta is uh, beneficial from the services sector. If there is the new capital in Kalimantan, and we, we hope that we can attract more capitals to go to Surabaya and its a greater area, we believe that uh, it's easy for East Java to record the highest growth and the highest contribution of the economy of Indonesia. Uh, this uh, and the infrastructure is still here, as you mentioned. That now uh, we can do uh, like a three-day, three-hour three trip from Surabaya to Solo and Jogja. So uh, interconnectivity will be the strong support for East Java that has already has so many uh, potentials, especially in the agriculture, manufacturing, also as the hub for other provinces as well. So I would like to conclude uh, my uh, presentation here so we can uh, discuss later on in a second session. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, Pak Diffie. I think it's fair to say that uh, uh, the Ministry of Finance and Bank Indonesia's response to the COVID crisis uh, has been universally accepted across the world, has been very good. And Indonesia has done very well in the bond markets even, even <laughs> recently. So. You have to be commended for, for that. Um, what I'd like to do now is start to open it up to, to questions. Um, as a businessman, I, I would like to ask Pat Emil the first question. They're going straight to the point about incentives. You mentioned incentives, uh, reduction in regional taxes and levies, etc. 
Can you explain a little bit more about them? Uh, what sectors they may apply to? Are there any thresholds? I think the first, uh, the largest incentive is really about having a great place to invest. But uh, above that, uh, of course, the red tapes have to be cut down tremendously and we are working very seriously. Not only, I mean, uh, the fact is, you're not gonna be dealing just with the local government. Uh, licenses come from various different levels of governments, including the uh, municipalities, even dealing with uh, other vertical uh, line agencies that have presence in East Java. Uh, but our uh, rapid reaction unit focuses beyond uh, our purview. We really look into getting things done. But when you talk about tax incentives, I, I think first of all, uh, a, a lot of these tax incentives belong to the central government, but uh, and BKPM is committed towards a uh, providing tax incentives for for uh, industries that, that meet the eligibility requirement. But in particular, the Special Economic Zone in Singosari offers a, uh, a number of tax incentives. It uh, offers a lot of fiscal incentives for investments that meet the eligibility criteria. And uh, of course, the additional advantage is the level of concentration of policies and uh, related developments of government uh, assets in, in the area. So that's, that's one thing that I can quickly respond when, when, when being asked about the incentives. Thank you very much. I, I think it's, it's, it's good to know that uh, you formed a unit to help companies expedite permits because it, it is quite a complicated process here having to deal with many, many different tiers of government and departments. So that's great. Uh, Natalie, something that caught my eye, and maybe Pat Emil can, can comment as well, there was a reference to a science park. Uh, the UK is very, very strong in life sciences, strong in, in pharmaceuticals, uh, but typically to support a science park, uh, it needs to be located in close proximity to first-class university research facilities with a strong pedigree in such sectors. Is there a possibility that, that the UK and East Java could work to together to strategically develop the relevant academic and research foundations required to support the ambitions of a science park? Precisely. I think uh, in Indonesia, uh, we have to admit that uh, a lot of the major universities happen to be public state universities. Uh, although I can mention a number of great private universities as well, but uh, it's pretty much uh, skewed towards the public universities. Now, in, in Indonesia, uh, two renowned universities called Erlanga University, which is, the, which is basically, uh, I think, uh, a very close competitor to the University of Indonesia when it comes to medical science, as well as uh, uh, non-engineering programs. But uh, we also have ITS, which is also... Uh, uh, I can say a, a very uh, active in, in, in terms of contributing to the engineering uh, discipline. Now, these two uh, major institutes and universities in Indonesia is only, I think, uh, less than an hour drive away from this, where the Islamic Science Park is going to be located because they're located in the northeast of Surabaya and this uh, bridge is in the north of Surabaya you take a five kilometer cross and right there, you're gonna be in the Islamic Science Park. So yeah, it's very near. Uh, 
uh, and and also there is uh, the only and the largest state university in Madura, which is the Trunoja University, is just also just right beside the science park. So uh, it's surrounded by three uh, public uh, education institutions, uh, universities, and research centers. Thank you, uh, Natalie. Would you like to to make any comment? Yes, of course. Um, I'm really glad you asked the question, Ainsley, because um, in the context of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, as I mentioned, you know, lots of many, lots of sectors are, are, of course, really, really suffering. Um, but one of the few that is doing well in the current climate and we're seeing more and more demand for is, of course, life sciences, uh, which, as you say, has to be underpinned by deep research and technology and strong academic partnerships. So I, th I think Bakamil set out a really strong vision for how that can be as achieved in East Java. And one of the issues that I hope the joint trade review will look at is how we can make it easier for educational partnerships um, to happen between the UK and Indonesia. It can be challenging to set up new educational institutions for a whole range of reasons uh, that I won't go into here. Um, but if we want to deepen uh, that science and life sciences relationship, we have to recognize that having the right academic partnerships in place are absolutely one of the um, core foundations. Allow me to add a bit uh, uh, to the moderator, my, my apologies, just a quick one. First of all, I think the COVID-19 has uh, also uh, accelerated the level of digital adoption in East Java tremendously. And, and this unlocks a massive uh, digital market potential and also collaboration potential because I think now we are no longer going to be confined by geographic distance in terms of advancing partnership. So I'd like just to add that. And also the Islamic Science Park is not uh, exclusively just about uh, science. Actually, it's, it's called Islamic Science Park because uh, the focus is on edutainment as well as the the, the fact that Madura is very uh, has a very religious society. So uh, a lot of uh, initiatives to promote commercial developments there have been hampered by the lack of reception from the locals. Uh, but the Islamic clerics or leaders are very, very highly respected. And we believe that this is going to be a good way to modernize the society in a way that is in line with the core values of the society. I just to add, I'd like to add that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's been quite a quite a lot of reference to technology. Um, you've got some East Java's got some quite big ambitions in terms of infrastructure, stuff like the science parks. The UK has got a very high capability in smart cities technology, and increasingly at Britcham, we are seeing companies in that space interested in Indonesia. The tech can cover anything from design, digital twinning, AI for energy optimization, transportation planning waste management planning, recycling, et cetera, et cetera. Are there opportunities for the UK to maybe get to the companies to get together and offer um, a consolidated service to East Java for any of these projects? Yeah, I, I think um, in terms of uh, the pipeline of projects that East Java is looking at, including ones that are in the uh, presidential uh, Regulation 80-2019, of course, we believe that um, the UK 
uh, has a. Uh, I think we look we uh, we look into the UK in terms of its expertise in structuring projects, uh, uh, infrastructure projects, investment projects, even in digital space and technology. Uh, we 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 basically believe that uh, the UK is is has the expertise, uh, and and we certainly uh, would like to see how we can um, beef up the robustness of the structuring of these projects with the uh, with the potential collaboration with uh, UK uh, institutions, definitely. Okay, Natalie, would you like to, to add anything? You're seeing anything yes, in the region course. in that respect? Um, I mean, I think uh, what's very heartening is that I'm getting more and more questions about how UK tech companies can access the market in Indonesia. Um, there is a real interest um, and a lot of enthusiasm, uh, but sometimes, um, particularly if you're a startup or a scale-up where, you know, your, your life is incredibly busy, you're probably quite lean, and so navigating new markets can be quite tough um, because you haven't necessarily got the time to do it. Um, so I would love to see some work um, between uh, the embassy in Jakarta um, and um, Pak Emil's team to facilitate uh, more showcase opportunities. So if we can really understand what would add value and increase productivity and efficiency, um, and then make sure that we are scouting the very best um, technologies to ensure that they come to East Java first. Uh, that's always uh, the position that you want to be in, that you are a first adopter uh, for new technologies. So that means you have to facilitate that path a little bit because it, it, it can uh, can be harder. Uh, but I, I think there's a great role for Britcham in that. And of course, um, Surabaya's role as the pl uh, supply city for the new capital city, again, provides immense opportunities. Um, so we're spending quite a lot of time um, identifying ways that we can specifically support that project. And it's a great um, attraction uh, for companies who may be uh, currently in Singapore or in Malaysia or in Vietnam and, and, and not in Indonesia yet, but should be. Um, this is a great uh, flagship to get their attention. Great. Uh, there have been a few questions on renewable energy, the green economy. Um, but Emil, in, in terms of East Java's aspirations for renewable energy and building back better, as someone has put it, for the green economy post post a pandemic. Uh, do you have any plans, any aspirations in that respect? Well, the, the fact is we have uh, worked on a local regulation for uh, the energy mix, which mandates a certain proportion of renewable energy in our energy mix, both in terms of power and energy in, in a larger context. So uh, that provides a, uh, uh, a legal foundation for anyone who's doing activities in Java to comply with. Uh, that, that, that's, that's what we have done. And I think uh, we hope that this will uh, be uh, working in synergy with the central government policies because we know that when it comes to power, uh, we definitely need also the cooperation from PLN to have a commitment in purchasing the power at a price that is uh, reflective of the level of investments that are being put into these renewable energies, which today may not be uh, on par with uh, conventional fossil fuel-based uh, power plants. But uh, we, we hope that, uh, of course, there is a continuous commitment from the central government institutions as well, 
and we will uh, work very hard to ensure that our local ordinance is being followed in terms of energy mix. So there is a plan uh, and we're happy to share with you on another occasion uh, the uh, specific plan on how and when uh, we're going to attain that minimum uh, energy mix uh, coming from renewable. Okay, Th thank you very much. I think that would be of great interest. We have a, a lot of companies involved in that sector. Uh, actually, maybe I'd like to ask for your help in that regard as well. Uh, one of the problems with renewable energy in Indonesia is the feed-in tariffs being offered to uh, the independent power producers. And if you look at the history of renewable energy in the UK, initially costs were high, but they've continued continue to go down, down, and down. And they're, they're, that's the tra trajectory that we're seeing across the world. I'm wondering. Um, if there's anything we can do on the advocacy side to maybe help Indonesia understand uh, the benefits of embracing renewable energy earlier and helping them understand the journey that the UK went on and whereby now renewable energy costs are as low as anything. Yeah, Ainsley, I absolutely agree. I'm also conscious that um, you're a real expert in this area as well, so I'm sure, I'm sure you've got some thoughts as well. Um, I think from the UK's perspective, COP26, which we'll be hosting in Glasgow um, next November, is a real opportunity to drive the agenda around the world, not, not just in Indonesia. And one of the key outcomes, I think, of uh, COVID-19 is going to be increased interest in renewables because we recognise that there will have to be a reset. Um, we really hope that Indonesia will play a full and active role in that, um, and East Java in particular. Um, so uh, we're currently in the process of designing the program around that and the run-up to it. Um, and it would be great to see uh, Britcham playing an active role in that. And in, you might have some ideas around um, how we bring COP26 um, out here, but also um, how you might want to have Indonesia uh, represented in Glasgow. Um, there is always more that we can do on the case studies and the exchanging of best practice. Um, and as we've talked about before, there is always always more that we can do using UK export finance as well. Um, so I think there are levers that we have at our disposal. Um, we need to use them more in the current context, but really interested in your thoughts as well. well I, I agree with you, Natalie. I, I think COP26 offers a phenomenal opportunity for the UK and Indonesia to get together and focus on some of the uh, we formed a climate change focus group at, at Bridgehams, a lot of interest in it. There's a lot of UK money coming into stuff like uh, forestry protection right now in Indonesia. Um, many of the UK multinationals are leading the way in terms of the climate change agenda. So I think, uh, and also the Indonesian government has, has really embraced it as well. Um, so I, d I do believe there's a, a lot we could do. And let, let's put Indonesia and the UK in the map in that respect in terms of collaboration at COP26. I'm all for that. Um, we've got a question from Ivan from Awina Group, Awina Synergy, one of our sponsors. How to maintain optimism to bring investment to East Java, considering East Java of COVID-19 and Surabaya, the highest COVID-19 death rate city in Indonesia. Are there, are there any ideas to raise provincial government so sovereign bonds to raise funds for government-endorsed projects in East Java? 
to support uh, the potential loss of the economy. So, so two questions there. Uh, just how, how are things generally in, in, in uh, East Java and Surabaya in, in terms of COVID-19? And uh, can the regional governments go out and raise their own funds through the, the, the bond market? Maybe, maybe uh, Emily, you can ask, answer the first question. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely mindful of the fact that uh, East Java is, uh, is uh, a point of concern when it comes to the level of COVID-19, although we also saw that other regions which have shown a, uh, a sign of hope that uh, COVID-19 has declined is, is, showing, is seeing some level of increase as they reactivate some of the people's activities. So uh, I think the challenge is, of course, how we flatten the curve, ensuring that uh, there is un we, we want to avoid an uncontrollable outbreak. We want to ensure that we have enough medical facilities to take care of the people, enough testing in order to ensure that uh, we can actually treat and uh, uh, act upon po potential cases swiftly. And I think uh, those, those are the things, which is why I'd like to call there's no free lunch when it comes to new normal economy, or we call it the new behavior adaptation in Indonesia right now, because new normal, people just take on the normal instead of the new, and they start having uh, euphoria of just doing things as they used to. But what I, what I would like to emphasize is the fact that East Java is a very vast province. It's 38 uh, municipalities. And I presented opportunities that are uh, available in a lot other, you know, uh, we have 40 million people. And um, in terms of population is not over concentrated in only certain parts, you see. Uh, Singa uh, Surabaya, which is the largest, has about 3 million population. We have 40 million, you see. So it's not that, that largely concentrated. Uh, there is a room for advancing economies outward of this uh, epicentrum. About 65% of cases are only in three municipalities. 65% and 67% of the deaths only happen in these areas. So uh, I'd like to um, uh, uh, reiterate the fact that it's a very vast province with varying level of COVID-19 spread. And, and therefore, uh, we want to make sure first that it doesn't uh, expand beyond this uh, uh, agglomeration. That's why a lot of effort is being put into with the president actually playing a very active role uh, for Surabaya and its surrounding adjacent municipalities so that we can really bring down uh, the cases. Now we've nearly doubled the capacity of our PCR testing and we, we saw that uh, uh, the, the, the increase in case doesn't really match the increase in the testing, which actually it can be a good sign, but I don't want to be over optimistic. You know, I'd like to always stay on the alert zone. You see, I, we'd like to always show that even with the most intense fear or awareness of COVID-19, the economy is still going to move. The economy is still going to operate. We have protocols in place. People can still be productive even in the presence of COVID-19. And, and, and we want to show you that the baseline of that uh, new economy, new normal economy, is going to be sufficient enough to attract investments to continue in, in East Java. I just spoke to one of the largest, I just spoke to Cargill just now, which is expanding their chocolate and uh, cocoa factory in Grisik and expanding their corn wet milling in Pasuruan, which, is, which I think it shows that uh, 
the, uh, there is still uh, they're bullish. I, I think I think being in an area where there is a uh, big market, uh, we have one third of our people working in agriculture, generating about eleven percent of the economy. But we do have self sufficiency in terms of paddy rice, in terms of uh, major uh, cattle, as well as. Uh, poultry and and many others including we are the largest place uh, for uh, manufacturing of sugars uh, from sugar canes as well as uh, salt so there is a massive staple food productivity that is going to keep our economy alive and not subject to you know uh, there's a very uh, volatile sentiments on tertiary economic sectors so that 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 should act as a kind of a, uh, a foundation that would uh, you know, give us strong assurance. But I think also the question is whether we are looking into raising bonds. Uh, we, you know, just for this uh, for this forum, I'd like to say that we are happy to uh, have been informed that uh, our uh, local revenue earning turns out better than what we expected. So we projected a more uh, a significant cut, but uh, it turns out that the economy is moving. And, and that's where I think the presentation from Pandifi, I think he should also add on to my point uh, after I speak here, uh, that uh, the economy is showing a bit of a good, a bit of a good sign, uh, a bit better than what we, we you know, originally look at. Uh, but I'm not, writing off any chances of a uh, sovereign bond. We are talking closely with uh, the Minister of Finance. It may not be a bond. It may be a normal government loan with concessionary terms provided by the Minister of Finance to catalyze some key major investments uh, in East Java. Uh, that, that's something we are looking at as well. Thank you. Would you like to add anything? Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, I agree that uh, up, uh, about the, there are so many questions about the provincial uh, government bonds, and actually uh, there are some provinces that uh, are waiting to get the permission to issue their own. Uh, uh, they call it the municipal bonds, but uh, to be honest, uh, it's still long time to go because we need to work more on uh, some details uh, about this and. Uh, yeah, we have to also consider about the human resources, uh, also uh, this about these uh, municipal bonds. So let me clear that if we talk about the government, the local government bonds, actually this is not uh, based on the government revenues. But what we are thinking now is project-based uh, bonds, actually. So uh, the recovery uh, repayment came from the project uh, revenues. So we need uh, to be uh, put some uh, governance in terms of how who will manage this kind of project first. So this is one of the dif uh, the difficulty. And as uh, Pak Emil mentioned, there are other ways that the local government can uh, finance, not only from issuing the uh, sovereign local bonds, but also from loan from the central government. Now, uh, maybe uh, one thing that uh, I would like to uh, focus here that one constraint in terms of preparing projects in project like in, in East Java is to do the feasibility study. Who will finance the feasibility study? Because we are required that when we sell one project for the investors, it needs to be clean and clear project. So this is a one issue that we are now working on. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Pat. I'm conscious of the, the time and we 
we only asked back Emil and, and Natalie for, for an hour of their time. Um, I've got, I'm looking at quite a few of the other questions. Many of them relate to the sectors that we should, that East Java would like uh, to promote and have companies focus on. I think, to be honest, Pat Emil has dealt with that very well during his presentation and, and, uh, and subsequent comments. Um, quite a few questions on COVID. Again, I think he's dealt with that uh, very well. Um, what I'd like to do is, in in, just before we close, Natalie, uh, would you like to say a few closing comments on behalf of, of the UK? And when will we see you again? That's a great question, Ainsley. Uh, for someone who used to spend three weeks out of four traveling around the region, I, I must admit, uh, I found uh, lockdown quite tough. Uh, I am missing the traveling and I very much hope to see you all soon. Indonesia's at the top of the list uh, when um, I'm allowed back on a, a plane. So I'm very, very much looking forward to that. Um, but I would really go back to uh, what Pat Camille said during his presentation. Um, even though we're working under new constraints, that, that shouldn't hold us back. Um, we need to get on with our plans. We need to be delivering our vision. Um, I'm very grateful that uh, Bob Corley um, from our DIT team is also on the call. So any questions that we haven't had a chance to answer that require a, a DIT answer, um, then we'll take note of those um, and Bob has uh, offered to come back to you directly. Um, and as ever, we're really interested in ideas. Um, with everything that's going on, now is an opportunity uh, to review and rethink. Uh, so we have some key areas that we want to focus on with East Java that I've talked about in terms of digital technology, energy, infrastructure. Um, but if anyone uh, on this session has views on what else we should be doing, then uh, we are absolutely all ears. Um, so thank you very much um, for this opportunity, Ainsley, and it's absolutely wonderful to see you all again. Thank you very much for your contribution. Uh, Pat Emil, would you like to make any any closing comments? Uh, I have to yeah, say, actually, I have a soft spot for for East Java. The company I work for has been operating sh shipping links there for to Surabaya for a hundred years, and I think in airline links for thirty five years. So I'm very keen that Bridgeham continues to develop its its links with uh, with East Java, your team, Ivy's team, and everyone else there. Thank you, uh, Ainsley. So, uh, of course, I personally also have a soft spot for British because I'm an alumni. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I graduated from two universities in England. I did my first degree uh, in university, from University of Wales and I did another degree at Oxford, my postgraduate. So I do hope that I can actually uh, uh, create uh, a, 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 a more uh, an increase in uh, working relationship with, with the UK. Uh, of course, I, I had a, a chance to look at some of the questions and some of them are interrelated. I, I hope that I, in, in this forum, I can uh, clarify, I've already clarified the fact that the COVID-19 is increasing uh, and we, you know, with all the humility, we, we do uh, believe things could have been better. But uh, we would like to appreciate everybody out there who's working for us, all the medical team, all the staffs who's doing, putting all their effort out there to really try to make this uh, situation better. We have a much improved testing capacity, much increased number of uh, available uh, facilities uh, for, for treating COVID-19 patients and everybody's out there on the streets uh, trying to uh, promote 
uh, a more more awareness on on adapting to the protocols. Uh, we're uh, fine tuning some of our approach. Sometimes we open a bit of the access, but we close some. We do road closures if we believe that that can drastically reduce the level of people activities. We impose some curfews at night to ensure that. Uh, some activities that are uh, prone to attracting crowds would be uh, addressed. And this, while 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 nearly 70% of the cases are only in Surabaya area and surrounding, but uh, all the other areas are also still at a high alert uh, mode. So, uh, and we are issuing a decree, a local decree, hopefully by the 27th of uh, July, it will be a very accelerated process in history of our lawmaking, and that will allow for a more punitive uh, uh, punishments for those who actually do not uh, conform to the protocols. Because it's very important that uh, uh, that you know once you have a more uh, effective uh, uh, punishment, then people will take things seriously. That's what we hope. So uh, everything we we're trying all means, and we're we're never tired to try new things and be very mindful about where we can we could have been better and how things can be done but um, as as padivi has as explained the vigilance uh, in terms vigilance in terms of the economic players in in east java to continue moving continue being productive is certainly we can certainly see it and that's where i think we have the highest value and of course also the level of commitment from bridgeham uh, for attending this webinar, of, of course, uh, Her Majesty uh, Trade Commissioner, uh, Excellency Natalie Black, and Ibu Ivy and all the team. I mean, it's, it's, it's encouraging to know that we're still in touch. I've, I've spoken to the ambassador as well, and uh, we're certainly uh, still in the mood of ensuring that uh, we're not going to wait to get things moving. And Padifi as well, uh, being a very uh, experienced economist, uh, we get really clear uh, understanding on the macroeconomic situation in East Java. Uh, we have the highest number of loan restructuring uh, for small medium enterprises, and there's now starting to uh, reactivate their activities. And the central government is providing an extension of three to six months of loan restructuring facilities with subsidy for interest rate being covered by the central government. So lots of efforts taking place, uh, vibrant economy, hopefully, and uh, hopefully UK will always be uh, significantly present there. Thank you. Thank you very much. I don't envy any government official at the moment having to deal with uh, COVID-19. Uh, I have great, <laughs> great sympathy for you. The situation changes very regularly, but uh, it's great to hear what you're doing. Um, for the last word and a vote of thanks, I would like to invite Ivy. Thank you, Ainsley. Uh, so thank you to all our, our excellent speakers um, that we have today. Thank you, Pa Emil. Thank you, Nathalie and Padifi for your time, for sharing such a wonderful insight uh, today. So despite the current pandemic situations, it's really, really actually um, good to hear from Pa Emil's um, visions and ambitions for to make East Jaffa great again. So really looking forward to strengthening the UK and East Java relationships. And I do hope, uh, Natalie, it's not too long that you know we can welcome you again to visit uh, Surabaya. Probably we can go to um, Bromo this time. And um, so really looking forward. Um, thank you again, Ainsley. Thank you.